Hello, everybody. Welcome to another new episode of the Premier Raleigh Small Business and Special Interest Podcast, where we bring you stories from business owners and special interest groups from around the triangle. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, today I have Woody. He is the owner of Raleigh Bookkeeping. He um, helps actually with helps my business with uh, bookkeeping and accounting. And we're going to share his story with you guys. And um, I encourage you, if you're looking for bookkeeping or any sort of um, tax preparation to give him a shout at Raleigh Bookkeeping. So welcome, Woody. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about your company, how long you've been in business, um, you know, I guess, what drive, what, why'd you open? Okay, okay. cool. So Raleigh Bookkeeping has been in business for about a year and a half now. Um, I started working in the bookkeeping industry with my father who owns another bookkeeping company here in town. Okay. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I decided we both decided that it would be easier for us to have separate companies um, to build my own book of business and start his transition to retirement. And so we went with that route, and that started a year and a half ago. And I, my favorite thing about bookkeeping is working with the small businesses and meeting the small businesses and meeting people like Joe who have very unique stories and goals and ambitions and uh, business models they're using to build their business. Um, and the reason I chose bookkeeping truly was because I always wanted to work in business growing up. You know, you asked me what I wanted to do, I wanted to work in business. I didn't really know what business I wanted to work in, so I thought the best route would be to work on businesses. Okay. So I work in businesses in all varieties. I work with everything from you know, mom and pop retail stores to law firms to construction companies doing multi-million dollar projects. Okay. So we're kind of all over the board there. Cool. So it kind of gives you a, like a little bit of freedom of creativity because you get to kind of figure out different avenues of other people's businesses, but a little bit of all different kinds of businesses. Exactly. And you, you learn a little bit about every type of business and you also learn all the different types of business owners. Because you can work with this a business that sells the exact same thing, and one business is barely recognizable to the other, just because really the personality of the owner and how he or she set the company up from the beginning, how they operate, the how this, their staff, how their staff operates, everything is just unique. Um, businesses are a lot like humans in that we're all extremely unique, but at the end of the day, we're all very very similar. Okay. Um, whether you're, you know. A criminal defense lawyer or a sporting goods store the cores of how a business is run don't really change however the 10% that does change is the whole difference right um, I, I talk about it with mine a little bit too because I always say like the story is the most important part and really like you know there's so many things in medicine that are similar and there's so many things in the metrics and the math of running a business like the incomes and the profit and loss and like marketing and things like that that are very similar, but the story, right? And I, I like the why so much is like, you know, why are you even doing it? You know, like. Exactly. Um, and you know, you, 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 and I get that answer all over the board because I definitely have worked with people in the past who really didn't enjoy what they did, but they've been doing it for 25 years and you know, they, they made a nice living off of it financially. Um, I don't know how happy they were, but they made a nice financial living so they didn't want to change. And you also get with people who are working purely on a passion project, and they may not make any money right now, but they're so their passion is just fun to work with. Um, versus someone who is making a lot of money but is really miserable. The employees aren't having a good time. Uh, fortunately, I'm not in that situation anymore right now, but it's definitely been there. Okay, so like everybody you're working with right now is pretty. Uh, you know, they're it's more along the lines of you know they're doing it because they love it and they're doing it because it's it's uh, is it. 
it's a it's their family business or it's like their passion or it's their dream. Right, it's their family business or it's a business they acquired because they want to be specifically in that industry. Um, and you know, in certain industries, it's hard to just start something because of the amount of competition we have in Raleigh. Your your best option is to purchase one that already exists, so you have some client base, and they're and they're doing that, and then and then I help them through the whole process. I mean, I'm working with someone like you who's really. You know, you're not in the startup, just started yesterday phase, but you're still in the moving forward growth phase. And some of my clients are in the let's tighten everything up and let's get this thing sold because I'm ready to retire. Okay. Um, and both those things are great. They're, just, they're different and I enjoy all that. And that's something that you get being an independent bookkeeper and working with a bunch of small companies that you wouldn't get if you went to work for one of the big five accounting firms or just at a single company as the bookkeeper or controller, whatever title they want to give you. Right. I can see that. You know, having that freedom to like, I guess like really, um, I always like to think of like surfing or sailing where you're kind of moving in and out of different things and, you know, something you learn from this client might help you see a different perspective to help this client better. Absolutely. And and that's one of the biggest value adds I think we have at Raleigh Bookkeeping is that I've almost, you know, we've almost created a small, very micro chamber of commerce type situation with our business because... You may be you may be a massage therapist, but you need your walls painted. Well, I also work with a painter, or you need electrical work done, or you need legal work, whatever it may be. I work with businesses that may do that, and you know, it gives you the opportunity to work with someone that's somewhat pre-vetted by someone you already know. Whether or not I've gotten work done by those people personally, but I've seen the work they've done, and I've seen you know if they're a successful business who has continual sales and not a lot of returns. They're probably doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you can see like that. Um, I mean, just knowing the someone per, like their personality of somebody, and knowing that you know their heart is in their work, right? Because you're gonna, you're going to meet them, and you're going to go, "Why well, just do this? Because I have to do this, and it makes a quick buck." Or I'm doing this because I love the work I'm doing, and, and I'm passionate about helping people, and I'm passionate about like the quality of work I'm doing. You know, so. And and the people like that are, are much more fun to work with. Um, because they're generally going to be growth focused, which you know makes it more interesting, more interesting, more fast paced, more going on. But then, if also if they're in the bit, if I'm coming into a business that's not in a great situation at the time, if the owner is passionate about the business, there's something to save, and they're willing to make the sacrifices necessary to get the business back on board. Whereas you have someone who's just there to make a quick buck, they're just going to give up. They're going to give up and move on. Um, and then, from a pure business standpoint, for me, that's a client lost. And it's someone that I'm not excited to work with. Right. What really excites me is people that are just super passionate about their business. They want to grow it. You know, they have. You know, they want to grow it. They also have realistic goals. You know, you're not going to have a small mom and pop retail store that does three billion dollars in sales, but you might can do a million, and that's huge. I mean, yeah. There's very few people that are going to generate a million dollars in sales in a year doing anything. Right. No, it's definitely challenging because, I mean, we hear it all the time where, like, you know, there's so much evaluation or, or, uh, of companies right now, and they're, like, not making any money at all. You yeah, know? I was talking about this with a client this morning with a company that recently IPO'd, and, um, you know, it's like every time they report their quarterly earnings, they lose more money and the stock goes up. And so yeah, that's crazy It's to crazy me. the landscape we're in with the, with the tech side of companies and the Start not so much in the Raleigh business community, with the exception of a couple startups we have here in town. But for the most part, with the the big tech startups, it, the valuations are out of control, um, and I think that trickles all the way down 
to the person starting a company that's not a tech company that's not scale not set up nor do they want it to scale like that mm -hmm. but they look at their profit and loss and they say I made ten thousand dollars so my company's worth twelve million because they're looking right. at a company that lost ten million is worth three billion yeah that's crazy to me like I, I try to figure all that out and I'm like I mean so you're you're someone gave you like thirty million dollars to run to like start your idea but your idea sucks so bad that you can't you're you're losing tens of thousands not hundred thousand dollars a month to get your idea going right and I'm like how long do you just keep losing money like it doesn't in my head it doesn't make any logical sense I don't I don't really get the get and the if point. you and if you look at a lot of the great American you know institutional companies that you know some of the more recent ones through your you know your biggest companies that have been around for 120 years they were all started grassroots and sure they took on investors at certain points but they already had users or clients or multiple locations depending on what they were doing before they got to that point so they knew the business model was solid before they started throwing money at it yeah that makes sense um, and we get and you get that on the on the micro level too someone will have while well, I'm opening this store so let me I've got 12,000 in the bank so let me spend ten thousand dollars on advertising. They get a bunch of people to their location, and their employees haven't been properly trained, and half the people will never come back because the experience was poor. Right. Whereas they could have waited a little bit, um, and you know they wouldn't have made as much money in month one, two, or three, but they would have set themselves up to guarantee they were going to have a month four, five, and six. No, exactly. The average startup is um, six to twelve months, and it's it's out depending on you know each industry has a little bit different average. I think. Bars and restaurants being the most likely to fail. The oh, yeah. And then service-based being the least likely purely because service-based has very little overhead. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I can see that with mine because I, I, you know, I can pinch as many pennies as I want because I'm like, what do I really need exactly. to have? And the you same know? thing with Raleigh Bookkeeping. You know, when, when I first started, the only thing I really had to pay for was a, a small office mm -hmm. um, that I still had another job that could pay for that if it needed to. So you didn't not a lot of overhead it's just you know selling time and services so my time doesn't it, my time is extremely valuable but it doesn't cost me any dollars um, actual dollars that have to a check that has to be written yeah yeah that makes sense so um, I'm sure you've been asked this question before so you're not a CPA That's but correct. you do taxes That's correct. so can we kind of go into that a little bit for some for people to kind of get grasp like you know if someone would call you and go well you're not a CPA then I can't use you but what what would be the big difference between one and the other and why why what you do is just as just as capable as what right or what the difference is I so, guess so so for me for example I am still a I still have a tax preparer ID number with the federal government um, there's like some background stuff that goes with that to verify you know that I haven't been arrested before for tax fraud or that I'm not you know been in bankruptcy and things that make you more likely to do something shady than if you don't have those sort of things in your history. Um, a CPA will have gone to a, got a master's degree. Um, it doesn't have to be in accounting. Most of the time it is. Sometimes it's an MBA. Uh, and then you take the CPA exam. And the biggest, the biggest thing that a CPA can do that I cannot do is some audit work um, in terms of if you want to have your company audited internally, um, you need to hire a CPA for that. Okay. If you wanted to have your company, if your company was audited, a CPA could represent you in court um, in that audit proceeding. I could not. That's going to be your biggest difference. Uh, okay. In terms of preparing taxes, I mean, there's thousands of tax preparers in the United States that aren't CPAs. Um, 
And if you go to any of your big chain tax agencies that you can think of twirling signs on the side of the road and Right, your HR blocks and your like your like Liberty Tax and like those sort of companies probably aren't gonna have a CPA in the building. Um and you know, there's certainly a CPA is gonna have more qualifications, but in terms of the actual tax preparation, it's in no way a qualification. I think it's a big misunderstanding um, that you have to be a CPA to do taxes. There are certain, you know, if, if someone walks into my office and says, I have companies in 50 states and make $200 million a year, I probably would send them to a large CPA firm because they're set up to that. But the average person is going to pay a CPA more than they need to be paying for their tax preparation to have the same product produced being the tax return because it's just not as complicated as people are led to believe, which I think is something in our industry we make taxes seem, they're not simple by any stretch, but we make them seem overly complicated, I think. Um, not that I would advise doing your own taxes. I don't, I don't even do my own taxes. I don't think that's smart. I think you should always have a second opinion. Okay, um, so like even knowing how to do the taxes, you don't do your own taxes? Right. Um, I Well, I, I do them in a way, but I still have an, uh, another person look them over and go through them because, you know, it's just like anything. You don't, you know, we all know how to use scissors, but we don't cut our own hair. This is true. We, um, yeah. You, you you just don't want to put your it's just like you just want a second opinion um, and that's why I suggest that no one should really do their own taxes and we offer rates reflective of people who could do their own taxes you know through an H&R Block or TurboTax online um, I always suggest they don't do that but I, in return I offer them a rate that's not that much more expensive than what they'd be paying there Right, I know a lot of them like online. You can, a, lot of, a lot of places offer free tax preparation, but um, like, what is like? Because I know yours would probably be. I mean, you offer. I'm sure you have rates that are different for businesses. You know, I think it's based on like how many forms you fill out and stuff, right? Right. It's it's going to be based on the different schedules that someone may have, um, and then businesses, and then there's obviously each side, business and personal, is going to have a minimum um, because we do have fees that we pay for our software and those sort of things, of course. Um, and then, you know, someone that has one W-2 is going to pay a lot less than someone who owns three businesses and has the K-1s for those and their W-2. and right, got some rental properties, rental properties and you got some all kinds of stuff. And, it, you know, just it's, it's all, it's all time-based. And, you know, the more you have, the longer it takes. And to help us as professionals kind of normalize it, the IRS, it's kind of like in auto mechanics, the IRS has a book that says this should take this long and this should take that long. Okay. Um, similar to how a lot of mechanics and plumbers and those sort of industries have those standards. So that way you, you can set your hourly rate at what you feel is fair and bill it accordingly. And you and it makes it easier for the client because they can compare apples to apples when comparing, you know, how much Joe's gonna charge them for their taxes versus me. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so do you feel like if you would do your taxes by yourself online for free, is there like an odds that you would say you're leaving money on the table? I mean, it's, it's possible. Um, and also when, when they say free, it's generally just the federal is free. Yeah, I did notice that the states usually pay for it. And so there are a couple of states like Florida and, and the United States where you don't have to file a state income tax return because they don't have state income tax. Right. In that situation, you know, that makes TurboTax look even more appealing. Obviously, my firm's not going to do it for free. Um, right, I mean, it's business. We have to make money. We have so. to make something in the process. Right. So, 
we um because i know the itemized thing changed like you know is it you know we can go down that whole rabbit hole too like is it worth itemizing a tax return if you're just a solo person as to like a business right you and, know? and you know it's, it's hard to make a blanket statement for whether someone should itemize or not itemize because you right. never know because there are different items that can go on that so someone someone may itemize one year because they have a, a major medical situation and spend a ton of money on medical expenses hospital bills these sort of things but then the following year they don't have that and so they it's it's all over the place, but you know, the easiest thing to do is just turn it all into your tax preparer. I know for us, we enter everything that's turned in, and then we just make the best decision for the client. So if it's a single filer and that $12,000 standard deduction, if they don't get there with their itemized deductions, well, obviously we're not gonna choose 9,000 over 12,000, so. Right, no, exactly. There's, there's not, it's, every situation is so unique, it's hard to say this, this person should always itemize. Um, generally, homeowners are going to tend to itemize um, with mortgages because of the mortgage interest okay. expense. That's a big one. Um, and then with the recent tax changes for your state tax being capped, that's changed things a little bit because it used to be you wrote off all your property tax, all your state cap tax. Now those two are combined and capped at $10,000. Um, okay. So that makes a difference for some people, particularly someone who may have itemized in previous years because they're a high income earner. So they pay a lot of state tax and they pay property tax, but they don't have a mortgage. So now that they don't have that mortgage, they just have the 10,000 and they're not there. Gotcha. Okay. How, how um, do you do a lot of personal tax returns or is it primarily business? Um, so it's, it's, if you take the sheer number of taxes, it's gonna be more personal than business. Okay. Um, if you took the dollar volume of our billing, it might be a little closer. And what we've seen happen with my dad doing this for 20, 20 years now with a very similar business model is a lot of times you go into a business, well, if it's not a first-year business, someone else has done the taxes. Okay. So you might start off with you do the bookkeeping and then you end up with the tax business. Well, then you get to know the employees and you get to know the you know, the owner and maybe their spouse who's not involved in the day-to-day -day with business, their kids, things like that. And it kind of trickles out in that. Okay. You may start with the business and then end up with the owner and then maybe get a couple of employees. So then you ended up with, you know, three personal returns and one business return, but the personal returns depending on their... Right. I mean, the business is going to show more more money. Right, more dollars. Like the yeah. dollars in, in, in as a whole, but, you know multitudes of like the smaller ones you know you're gonna have you know more personal absolutely yeah you have more yeah. personal or you know we might have someone come in who's got three kids in high school and college and they all you know have part-time jobs they have to file, file a tax return well naturally they're not going to be charged much right um, so they count as a person but they're not so it you know yeah, if you have a simple w-2 like as a part-time job and you know that's and then, you know, that might be the one time where I say you might just go for it on your own. Yeah. Just because to, to pay anything. Right, you're not really going to get much back anyway. If you made $5,000, you know, working, you know, that summer as a waiter and then, got, then went back to school. Yeah. You know, you end up, you're going to end up paying a little extra money and you're not at a point yet where some of the credits and stuff you may not be able to figure out on your own even apply. Okay. So... So really, a lot of times it starts with the bookkeeping um, business, bookkeeping for the, the business, and then it goes down to the employees and the owner's personal returns. 
And then the other side of that is a lot of our other personal returns are going to come from referrals of current clients okay. who their you know, friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, mom, dad, sister, whoever moved, needs a new tax repair, has been doing it themselves, their situation changed, whatever it may be, and they come, come in with us. Okay. Um, so I'm sure you've seen some like some pretty crazy situations where someone tried to do most of their taxes themselves, maybe as a business, or they had somebody else do them, and it was kind of a kind of a, a bird's nest when you got it. You know, is that does that happen often? Do you do you suggest to people like starting out even in the smallest levels of business to like find someone to do bookkeeping right away, or do you think it's something that? To a certain point, someone can do it on their own, and then at some point move over into this. Is there uh, like, is well, there like a, a, a boundary or like a? I wouldn't say so, um, because once you get into a business, I mean, you've got expenses, um, and then from year one when you're doing taxes, you start to make decisions on how you're going to report your income, the type of tax basis, the the way things are going to be depreciated. That that first year when you you know you did ten thousand dollars in sales may not seem like an important decision. But depending on what it is, it could affect you in 10 years um, when you have a larger business because you, you've married yourself to a certain thing that wasn't the most forward-looking decision. That made sense as a very small company, but will not make sense as soon as you're even just a small company from very small micro. Okay. Um, so I would say with the business side, I would always suggest a professional. Um, and we also may know things that you can deduct that you didn't think of. Right. that we think of just because we're doing it 400 times a year. Okay. Uh, so I would I would always say use a professional if you're in a business. Um, I mean, my personal opinion, because I was like, you know, I'm not great at, I'm better at it now, but the business sides of things. Right. Right. I'm great at doing what I do. I'm great at doing research. I'm great at learning and I'm great at like building systems. Right. But like to me, it was like, I'm not great at that. So talking to other entrepreneurs and business owners out there is like if you're not great at something don't waste your time doing it right because what I can do in an hour or in four hours might take you an hour right right so that's four that's three hours you're buying back of your time that you could do something you're great at absolutely you know and I think to me that's what's that's the important piece of that for myself is that why would I waste my time you know or if you'd like be out marketing or getting you know working on more people or anything like that where you know I'm wasting that time trying to figure out how where the, where the numbers go and then I make a big mess even more of a mess in the end so and, I, and I've seen it multiple times where someone you know someone took that to use that example took that option and you know spent three days themselves doing their taxes and they did it wrong and got rejected and they come back and they have to pay me to do it so now they've lost out on three days of potential earned income for you know, whatever avenue they make their money, and they still paid the same thing. They paid me probably more. Right, because now you have to go back and through and like. Because now I have to figure out what I'm not starting at zero. I'm starting negative. Right. So I got to get back to zero before I can really start. And I think and business owners do this with a lot of things where they they get distracted on the small things. Um, it's sort of like you know if your if your lights go out at your office. Unless your business is in the electrical business, you're probably not going to spend the next three days trying to figure out why your lights aren't working and how to rewire the building you're in. Right. And taxes are really no different. It's just like, I mean, I know how to do taxes and I know how to do bookkeeping. And I mean, for my company, I do do my own bookkeeping, but 
Um, again, the tax return still gets looked over by someone else. And I, you know, I'm not good at certain, you know, for me, I know that I'm not the most creative person in the world when it comes to creating, you know, information for social media and things like that, which is fine because generally people aren't looking for a creative accountant um, for obvious reasons. So I outsource that and I outsource those sort of things no differently than I think people should outsource their taxes or bookkeeping work. Um, because quite frankly, if you're trying to build a business, doing the bookkeeping is absolutely required but a complete waste of the business owner's time. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. They need I mean, to know their numbers, but they don't need to be the ones figuring out the numbers. Right, just kind of pay attention to it, keep an eye on it where you're at. You should absolutely but. pay attention, but you know, you don't necessarily, you, want to, you might be the one that signs all the checks that go out to pay all the bills, but you don't necessarily need to be the one who enters all the invoices and prints all the checks. Right. Because you could be using your time for, you know, for you, you, you could be with a client yeah, clients or marketing or, I mean, there's tons of stuff. There's even more stuff I still don't know what to do, how to do. Absolutely. You know, so I have to take the time that I could find somebody to take those four hours off of me, like say a week of working on something, and devote it to a couple of the other weaknesses I still have through social media or like video editing or like, you know, creating content or creating like you're like building the rest of the company. Right, so if I can give take four hours off of that and devote it back to something else, it's still a weakness. Right, that gives me still more time to work on something else. So, right. and I think um, you know we both are you know big fans of Gary Vee, and we've listened to the things he said. And one thing he's always talking about that really resonated with me is um, take what you're good at and focus on that, and take what you're bad at, and you don't need to be kind of good at a lot of things. You need to be really good with running a business. Yeah. You need to be really good at the core of that business, whether it be, and generally, and the one thing with business owners, you've always got to be good at selling. So if that's a weakness, then entrepreneurship truly may not be the best path for you. But, you know, if you've got the selling down plus the specifics of your industry, you can outsource everything else. And it's exp yeah, it costs you a little money up front, but it saves you a bunch of time. And that's just what he's talking about with the things that he's bad at, he's not worried about. Because yeah. he he's, knows how to hire someone to do those things. The things that he's good at, he wants to be absolutely the best at in the world. Yeah. Well, that's why like, um, I've always liked Steve Jobs' quote. It said, we, we, hire, we, don't, or we hire smart people, not for us to tell them what to do, but we hire smart people for them to tell us what to do. Absolutely. And another thing along those lines that uh, Bill Gates said is when I want a problem solved efficiently, I hire the laziest person I can find because the lazy person's always gonna figure out the lazy way to get something done. Oh yeah. Which, if they're doing it correctly, is gonna be the fastest way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, because I, I would say I'm a very lazy, successful person, right? Because I, I analyze the hell out of everything till there's like, well, really it's only these two steps. So I don't know why we're like looking at it where there's eight steps. Right. Because in the end, they really need to do these three things and it's just fine. So that's what I always do is just kind of keep boiling it down. Exactly, and that's what we've done, you know, on a level not to, to bookkeeping is we've boiled it down to the essentials so we can do it just as accurately but faster than the business owner is going to be able to sit down and do themselves, which goes back to their, to the, you know, what you said before, it takes you four and meet one, pay me, you've earned three hours. Right, no, I think exactly. A lot of times people when they're first starting a business, really some people through the entirety of owning their business, 
they they lose sight of the core of what they're doing and they get caught up in the details and they really hinder they think they're you know they might save five hundred dollars on a tax return bill but they miss the opportunity to go out and close a ten thousand dollar deal right and they and so but what if you left twelve hundred dollars on the table because you you try to do your taxes yourself right or you, you do something right. wrong you don't claim something correctly so there's and, and the same thing with with bookkeeping it, it's amazing you know seeing people who may have been in business for 10 years and they'll ask if they can write something off that you know to me it's like an obvious well, of course you can write that off like you're using it for the business right you know you bought it for the business it's at the office it's for client whatever it might be and people just you don't know what you don't know, you know. Whereas I spent time in schools and classes and, and continue to do so to know those things. Well, it's just through experience. That's why I was like the one that was like the guy. Um, you know, have you ever seen the? It's on Facebook. The the giant motor that doesn't run, and they're all trying to figure it out, and nobody can yeah. figure it out. And he comes in with this tiny little hammer and looks at it around for like forty five minutes and taps it, and the whole engine comes back on. Yeah. You know, and he sends him a bill for ten thousand dollars, and you're like, "What the hell? Why? You you didn't do anything. You just tapped it. You just." Used your little hammer, and forty-five minutes later, the whole thing was good. He goes, "It's it's knowing where to tap the hammer." Right. Yeah. He, you know, they wanted, like, I think, if I remember correctly, they wanted an itemized receipt, and yeah. they did ninety-nine hundred um, or one hundred dollars tapping hammer, ninety-nine hundred knowing where to tap the hammer. Yeah, exactly. And I, I I've had that conversation with clients in the past too on a different level where they say, "Well, I'm paying you this much an hour," and I remind them because my bookkeeping everything is structured to a monthly flat rate. Because the hours are going to vary, and you know it helps people's budgeting, it helps my budgeting, and I don't want to be in a situation where a client calls, and we have a fifteen-minute phone call, and then I've got a nickel and dime them because I'm charging them purely by time. Right. So a client said, "Well, if I do this and you come this much, I'm paying you this much an hour," and you know you're really not paying me that much an hour. You're paying me to get it done. Right. It just costs X amount per month to get it done. You know, you break it out by the hour. I guess I've got an hourly rate I'm targeting. But if I work with the same customer for ten years, I'm gonna know their stuff. It's gonna I'm gonna get better at it. Right. It's just like um, it's just the practice of doing it. Where you're like every time you do it, you're like, oh, okay, I saw that. Oh, yep. Let's switch this. Like that. I don't think we need to worry about this anymore. Let's like actually like remove this piece because I don't think this is even viable anymore. And we can take that and actually bring it into this. Right. And now now we're like now we don't have to worry about six pieces. We can worry about four. Absolutely, and it, you know the big change. It's a refinement. It's all in refinement. The, you know the biggest change if you went into a bookkeeping office ten years ago was you'd see seven hundred filing cabinets, all stuffed to the brim. Well, now you see a scanner and a server. Yeah. And you have the same thing, and that you know that was a big efficiency thing. Oh, I'm sure. That keeping everything digital, and you know we're doing it in all aspects of our lives, but until quite recently, people still really kept a lot of paper documents. That alone can be hours of time filing paper or you know how easy if you want to find a file in your folder your server you just type it in and it's going to pop up versus right. well it might be in this file cabinet it could have fallen through or I didn't see it like did it fall behind or did it like you know and so like, now you spent you know and you, you get that now and you, you're still going to have people that want to do that and you have people that want to do it that way forever and that's fine but that's just one of the examples of where we can help with efficiency naturally most people are already moved to that now but yeah um, you know, using cloud-based software, so you don't have to be physically at the office to look at your accounting system, um, and you don't have to have remote access, which you know relies on two different locations, internet and things like that, that can be less reliable. 
than logging into a server or a cloud-based system. Um, and then your security, obviously, is, is going to be much better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, because you can encrypt everything on a, on a server, and then, you know, that's protected as to, like, you know, I mean, documents can be locked up, too, but it still it still gives the chance of somebody grabbing hold of something. And that, or, you know, just the most basic level of fire. Or yeah, a, fire, a, yeah. a, a water pipe bust. You know, if a water pipe bust and destroys your server, yeah, you're out of the cost of the server, but your information is backed up, you know, somewhere else. Right. And so you buy a new server, they load that information on there, and you're, you're good to go versus, you know, if you've got one copy and it's floods or burns or right. whatever may happen, it's gone. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, real quick, why don't we go into a little bit about, you know, why, like your why, I guess. Why do you, why do you what's your biggest drive, your biggest purpose? Sure. Of, well, I, I really just love working with the small businesses and seeing the passion of people building their business and learning about their business. And, you know, we're very similar, you and I, it's, it's all, both of what we do for a living is based on learning, um, mm-hmm. what everybody is, but we, we put it more towards the forefront, is I want to learn your business. When I go into a business, I want to feel after a year or so that I can have a confident conversation about that industry. Now, I, and that's what I love to do. And then I chose the size businesses I do work with is because they're extremely underserved. Um, if you so, can, so you're so let's, like, let's um, pull off that a second. So, yeah. like, what what is like a standard size business set? Like, what is like um, an average and maybe a max of like right now? Sure. And what your goal is maybe is it to like expand further into bigger businesses or to stay where you're at? Like, so we we work. Um, I would say when I when I say these numbers, I'm talking in terms of just top line sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say my average client is going to do somewhere in the the 1.5 to 2 million dollars a year in sales. Okay. With the largest being around 10, and the smallest being a pre-revenue startup. Um, so, and then some startups that are in the two, three, four hundred thousand dollar a year range. Um, I really enjoy that size business because that's where you're growing. Um, and when you start, and frankly, from what, what we're offering, when you start getting to 15, 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year, you start to need a full-time accountant, an accounting team. Oh, I'm sure. And whereas we're very cost efficient, if you don't need someone full-time, my hourly rate is going to be higher than you hire someone full-time. So right. no, if we're exactly. both working full-time, it's going to make more sense for them um, to work. So with those size companies, a lot of times what I'll do is come in, and I've done this a few times, and set up the process. Say you need this, a person doing this, a person doing this, and a person doing this. Help them get those people in place. Yeah. Make sure it's running efficiently and correctly, and then move to the next opportunity. Okay. And with that also, I'm also backup for those companies. So, you know, they've got somebody in one position who gets sick, gets hurt, quits, and is suddenly gone. Mm-hmm. Naturally, you know, you've got a three, four month hiring process to really vet someone before you're gonna let them loose with your accounting. So I oh, might yeah. be able to then step back in and help the bigger companies do a piece here and there. The smaller companies, or all the companies I'm working with for the most part, I'm doing everything. Okay. So I'm handling, you know, the AR, accounts receivable, accounts payable, your basic reg- um, registers, of your banking to keep all that 
then some of the HR, the payroll, the payroll taxes. And then we also, just because we've seen so many businesses, I do some consulting with these companies, which is generally included in what they're already paying on how I might run certain aspects of their business and what I think I would, what I would do. Um, now, naturally, it's always going to be their decision what they do. Yeah. But if they're interested and they ask, I'm happy to tell them how I might do it, how I've seen it done in the past successfully. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, the pie is big enough for everyone. Yeah, no, definitely. If you run your business correctly and you have, you have to run it correctly and you also have to be selling something at a price point that's correct. Yeah. Because you can have the most flawless business in the world, but if you're selling a $2 widget for $10, you will lose. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so you mentioned HR, so we'll kind of like dive into that just a little bit. How much of the HR process are you dealing with for a company? Um, generally, I'm, out, I'm making sure they have the right pieces in place. In terms you know, of like um, documentations and having the right documentation in terms of processes, procedures. You know, what do you do if you have an, an issue with an employee? You know, with another employee. You know, some sort of sexual harassment or some sort of fight, or they just don't get along. Whatever it may be, you know, the company needs to have processes and procedures in place. Now, I don't write those processes and procedures; I outsource them. But some people, most people, when they start a company, they don't think about that. Um, and then also with the hiring process, ensuring that employees have turned in the proper tax documentation, you're, prop, you're reporting it to proper authorities, you have the proper um, backup doc. You know, everyone knows when you get hired, you fill out the forms and you turn in a driver's license, social security card, passport, right, different things. Right. Just making sure the company has W-4s all and all that stuff. W-4s. Yeah. Um, in North Carolina, it's the NC4. I don't have a lot of experience with hiring people in other states, but I'm sure it's very similar. Right, right. And okay. just being a resource for setting up those procedures, um, getting, you know, getting, helping them get health care set up if they want to offer health care to the employees, helping them find a financial advisor if they want to offer some sort of retirement benefit to their employees, whatever it may be. Um, and when you're dealing with a $2 million business with seven employees, the HR department is, is not is going to be pretty minimal right? Um, because you're just not going to run into the issues you're going to run into with 150 people or 500 people. Or, oh, yeah. When you start multiplying that many uh, variables together of people, it, right. it, gets, it, gets way, it gets way more interesting. Absolutely. And, you know, with the HR2, one of my, probably my biggest value out of people is I help with um, coming up with compensation plans okay. that are fair and competitive um, because that's something that as a business owner you've not really done before particularly some of the people you work with that have really never had a job. They've always been entrepreneurial on some level. Right. So they don't know exactly, they don't really know what it's like to negotiate. They, they're like, well, let's just pay them 100% commission because that's how they've lived their whole life. And you know, as an entrepreneur, you might call it profit, you might call it whatever you want to call it, right. but you're essentially 100% commission position because if you're not generating sales nobody's going to do it for you right no that sounds that makes sense so i'm, I'm there to help small businesses with really anything can get the know. structure going a little bit get their structure going get them started um and then get everything get these processes in place because ideally i'd like every client i have to outgrow me yeah because if every client i have is turning into a 50 million dollar company 
then I'm probably doing something right. And that's going to lead to a lot more opportunities with the companies that I'm set up to work with. And I think it's, it's just like any business, you need to know your niche. Yeah, no, absolutely. If your niche is building $150,000 houses, be really good at building $150,000 houses and build a lot of them. Don't. You don't need to build a $3 million McMansion to show that you can do it. Right, yeah. I could, could I handle the accounting for a $50 million company? Absolutely, but I couldn't handle tenant wants. And right. that takes away from me, from what I like, which is being able to work with a variety of businesses. Yeah. So I'm one of the few accountants that's probably not, you know, a lot of accountants you think of sitting at a desk and they're just behind a computer for eight, 10 hours a day and that's that. I'm very rarely in the, in the same spot for more than two hours. Yeah, you're always out and about, I think. Are you like out, out to different yeah. on-site situations? Or? Absolutely. Like today, my, my office, my personal office, I, I've been there for 30 minutes. Okay. Um, and that was purely because I wanted to check the mail. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you're, it, it is different because usually you, you have your bookkeeper, your accountant, and like you're, they are, they're just in their office and you have to go either call them or, or go there and talk to them or whatever. But, you know, I think it really helps being able to see the operation happen. Absolutely. Right. Get get at the business and go. Okay. Well, I want to know because, like, if you're just looking at numbers, numbers are one thing. But if you're seeing how the all the how the system and the operations running, that's a whole different animal to be able to go. Oh wow! Like when you say this, now I can put this together. Like now I'm seeing what you're talking about. Absolutely. And yeah. when I and if I go in and say we need to make these changes, I've got a little bit better. I've seen it um, with all my clients. I go to their locations at least once a month okay. Um, with the exception of a couple of my really small clients that don't have an office and so they come to me but for the most part on the bookkeeping I mean the tax clients they all come to us because there's not enough hours in the day oh I'm sure but for the bookkeeping clients I'm I'm on site with them and I have some clients that I see every day some that I see once a month Um, but all my clients are going to hear from me on a weekly basis and their accounting is being done on a daily basis and it just varies with their needs and what gotcha. and what pieces of it that someone else is doing. Very cool. Um, so that's kind of been the, that's the, what I really enjoy and what I think our value add is. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's a great great piece of great piece of value to add to it. You know, because I think that there's so much, especially in our world of data now, that there's so much disconnect between the human experience Absolutely. and the human relationship. So. I mean, I pride myself in my business in that regard of like trying to trying to nurture and cultivate the human experience still, and I think that's very important. And I think that's going to keep our businesses growing that much longer, because data is awesome, and it shows us yeah. it, it, it's incredible, and it's going to keep helping us further. But we're starting to lose data is taking over human experience, and we're starting to wonder why you know we're we're losing some of this interpersonal relationships and communication and stuff like that. And I think you know. Maintaining that in your business is going to keep your business going long into the future. And the personal relationships are everything. Um, and, you know, because I've gone into clients that, you know, particularly they, the client themselves may know, may have known the bookkeeper, but the employees wouldn't have known the company's bookkeeper if he or she walked in the door. Yeah. Um, and they may have been the bookkeeper for three years. So that helps a lot with, with, um, with building those relationships, which you know, naturally builds other parts of the business because when that person decides that they're tired of working for someone and wants to start a business, we have, we have a good personal relationship even though we technically don't work together. It, it I'm they're going to be who they call to right. set that business up, help them set that business up, tell them what they, you know, help them through the process, 
whatever it may be. Yeah. Depending on what they're. You're kind of like a stand-in employee. You're a stand-in like part of the company. Absolutely. You're you're, you're just removed from the whole, the actual situation. And with some of my clients, right. I mean, I'm effectively. I mean, I think a couple of them may call me this, but for the I mean, I'm effectively acting as CFO. Okay. Um, and you you know that's a service you see as CFO for hire. We don't advertise it that way, but that's essentially what it's going to be. With my higher, when I say higher volume, just more time on my end, clients. That's what I'm doing. You know, they're, you know, the money in the bank is their money, and they're calling me before they spend it, mm-hmm. because they know that that's what they're they're paying me to make sure they, you know, I can't guarantee they won't run out of money because the sales is on them, but they're paying me to make sure the money is used efficiently as possible. Things are paid that need to be paid. And, yeah. And you know the you know the number one thing with business owners is you got to know where all your money is going. Um, yeah, I had I mean, a great comparison for a client I picked up. He brought me um, two banker boxes full of uh, receipts. Some of the receipts oh, well. were so old that the lettering was it was blank oh, sorry, paper. Sorry, blank paper. Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, Woody, this is how I describe my business. He's like, I got a bucket, and I can go out and fill it with water all day. He's like, but there's a hole in it somewhere. So no matter how much water I fill in there, I never seem to have any. And so his prop, he was really good at getting clients, getting business, getting work in his industry done. Yeah. But he his he wasn't great with controlling it. You know, he's spending too much on these things. You know, waste, different things that you don't that on one as a one time occurrence don't make a difference. Right. Um, we've all had a situation where something was done incorrectly, and we had to spend a little more money to get it right for the client. That's always going to happen. But if that sort of thing is happening all the time, you're not aware of it. You know, you you think you made a hundred thousand dollars, you actually lost five. Yeah. So, I think that's a great way of looking at it with people spending and why it's important is you've got that bucket you keep filling up, and if it you keep filling the bucket up and it's never full, something's probably wrong. Right. No, exactly. So, well, very cool. Well, I'm gonna leave it with that. Okay. I think uh, this is a great start. I Absolutely. think we have a lot more time that we can. Uh, dive into some more topics you know just the, the idea of like human resources bookkeeping accounting and like how you can like be this entity that is part of yet removed from a company and and fill this void that smaller businesses maybe they haven't ever really thought about right right because they're like i have to do it all i have to do it all it has to all be me and they're like you're inundated and overwhelmed and you're not even growing your business anymore because you're so busy trying to figure out how to do something that other people already know how to do. So I think that's a great service you offer, and, uh, and, I, think my and last, I appreciate it. So My last point with it, and I think this is something that any business owner can remember, whether I ever meet you or we ever work together or not, is when you start thinking about whether, I'm not gonna, whether or not you're going to do something for yourself, and you and I have talked about this before, when you're doing the cost analysis of it, your time is worth something. Absolutely. And I think people think, well, it's $500 for him to do it, or I can do it myself. Well, you got to look at what you can make in an hour. And make that decision. Yeah, no, exactly. Because if you if you can see that many more people, or if you can like, you know, I I have um, I make one hundred twenty dollars an hour. So I mean, for me to to waste five hours, that's you know, I'm already making money back. Right. You know, so it's it's a no brainer. So. So I yeah. think people have to consider that. And I think that's one thing that any business owner is going to really think about um, to 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 really save yourself headache and for the best interest of your business. Absolutely. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you at? Yeah, so RaleighBookkeeping.com um, is going to be our website, and then we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash RaleighBookkeeping. Um, Instagram is going to be at RaleighBookkeeping as well, and then on LinkedIn, um, 
I'm Woody Johnson, and then the company is Raleigh Bookkeeping on LinkedIn as well. Okay, and you have a phone number? Uh, yeah, we reached it, 919-616-8342. Awesome. Uh, and we're located uh, at 3901 Barrett Drive, and that's in Raleigh, um, near the, in the North Hills area. Perfect. Well, I thank you for coming in. Yes, sir. I'll Thanks talk for to you again me. soon. All yes, right. Sir. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. If you'd like to share your story, you can contact me at another new perspective, 101 at gmail.com or by phone at 984-212-4308. Have an amazing day.